Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Expressions of Joy, presented by Pastor Floyd Selva on February 14th, 2016. Jesus, yay! Everybody, you get a treat after class. No, I'm just kidding. Well, if you would this morning, grab your Bibles, open up your iPads, your iPhones, and uh, let's let's open up to Galatians. We're in this series we're uh, entitled Expressions, and we're looking at the, the fruit of the Spirit and how God helps us to express this gift, this gift that, that we call the fruit of the Spirit. And last week we talked a little bit about love. And what that looked like. And you would think that today would be the natural day that we talked about love because it is the day of love, right? Well, this morning, um, what I'd like to do is talk about joy. Because I, I believe that, that joy comes through the expression of God's love for us. See, our, our joy is rooted, and as Paul will tell us here in this book um, of Galatians, that our joy is rooted in God's love. See, when we look to, to God's love and we remind each other of the power of this love, that's where our joy comes from. So this morning we're going to talk about how we express joy in our lives. This joy is an attribute that God has given us in the life of a believer. We've all been given joy through His Son, Jesus Christ. But I think it's fair to, to ask the question as we go through this series uh, at, at of every fruit that God has given us, do we bear the marks of it? Do we bear joy in our lives? When people look at us, do they see the joy of Christ in our lives? I think we should ask that question to ourselves this morning as we read God's word and as we look to this. So how do we have joy in a world that is full of of pain and suffering, relational issues, trials and and financial troubles how do we have joy in a world that's just filled with so much hurt you know that that's really a tough question because uh, i could imagine that that many of us right now in our very lives are experiencing some type of pain or some type of emotional or relational struggle maybe it's in the workplace maybe it's at home maybe it's with family How do we experience and much less express this joy, this fruit of God's Spirit, this attribute that we've been given as believers? See, I think sometimes we tend to to take and look at an individual and and the mark, if you will, of a person that that is joyful, a mark of their life is someone that that is free of guilt and pain and, and all that stuff because, you know, they don't have anything going on in their lives because, you know, they're just happy all the time. They're joyful. Well, I think it's just the opposite. I think it's it's through that that pain and those trials of life that we better understand this fruit, this expression, this attribute that God has given us. See, a person who bears this fruit is more than likely someone that has had hard moments in their life. You know, my wife and I, we've been married, we'll celebrate 25 years of marriage here in a few weeks and I look back at our life and I think about 
all of those defining moments, you know, the pivot points in our life. And one of the, the, the pivot, pivotal points in, in our marriage, in our life, was early on in our marriage, we, you know, we got married and we were unequally yoked. I was a believer, she wasn't. About six, seven years into our marriage, um, God did some really wonderful things in our life. He orchestrated some moments. He brought some people into our lives. And he helped us to see his sovereignty, his grace for our lives. And, and at the very moment that my wife gave her life to Jesus, at the very moment, it seemed like you would think that, that all of a sudden all this rush of joy would come into our life, all these great things would happen and everything would be different, but it wasn't the case. What happened there at that moment as she gave her life to Jesus, what happened was actually a tragedy. You know, at that, that moment, not too long afterwards, we found out that her mom got diagnosed with leukemia. And it was Thanksgiving Day, a day that we should be thankful for life and all the things that God has given us, a day that we celebrate and gather as a family. And then from that date, fast forward a year, Thanksgiving Day, and her mom passes away. You know, this was a moment in, in my wife's life, in our life as a couple, that was very critical. It was a moment when God used many people in our church family, many people around us to help us understand what it meant to, to experience joy and God's peace in our lives. See, we could have very easily looked at the circumstance and said, man, how can we have joy in this? How can we have peace in this moment when our life seems like it's crumbling before us? But God reminded us of some things. He helped us to see. And I think, and I believe with all of my heart, when we look at God's word and we discover the things that he has for us, we'll experience this joy, even in those tough moments, even in the losses and in the struggles. See, when Paul references joy here, as we look at the New Testament, this word that we talk about so often, joy, it refers to gladness and bliss and celebration. And you think to yourself, well, how do I celebrate when I lose someone? How do I celebrate when I have a relational issue in my life? See, we're not celebrating the circumstance. We're celebrating the person the God that holds the circumstance, that carries us through that moment. We find our joy in our salvation. I love what, what James says here in James 1. He says, Count it all joy. Count it a celebration. Count it a celebration, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith pr produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, if we want to express this attribute in our lives, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of God's Holy Spirit living in us and indwelling in us and changing our hearts, changing our perspective and our outlook on what we see in this world and the things that we're dealing with, the things that are in front of us. See, what God wants to do is he wants to prune away whatever stands in the way. See, he wants to take away the things that hinder our joy. And he wants us to move towards him and grow in our faith. 
that produces steadfastness, even in those tough moments. See, before Paul wrote to the church about the fruit of the Spirit, he said some very specific things. He gave them a whole bunch of reminders. And and what I love about God's Word, which is probably the coolest thing, and the world will dispute this, but I think if you read the Scriptures from, from Genesis to Revelations, you'll see how how God's word just intertwines. You know, we have the beginning and then we have the middle part. And that middle part is what what God uses to speak to you and I. We can read God's word and, and see it and hear it as his voice speaking to us, giving us everything that we need to experience these attributes of a lifestyle that's lived in the spirit and by the spirit. See, Paul here in this passage, in this book that he writes to the church, he asks a very penetrating question. And to really truly understand the context of what what Paul is telling us, I want to read these passages together. Started in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. But before we do that, let's, let's pray together. Father, we just come into your presence and we thank you for your presence. Father, we we pray that you would open our hearts right now. That you would speak loudly and audibly to us. Father, that you would remind us of this great love that you've offered us. And today as we celebrate love, we celebrate your love for us. And we offer you our love. Lord, we want to worship you in truth and in spirit. We want to worship you through your word. Lord, our prayer this morning is that you would prune our hearts, that you would help us to discover those things you have for us. And in this one attribute that you've given us, that you would not only help us to experience it, but also to express it in our lives, no matter what we face, no matter what's in front of us. Lord, we trust you with this, and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Galatians 3, starting in verse 29, Paul ends that chapter and he says this, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And in chapter 4, he goes on to say, verses 1 through 7, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of women, woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Then Paul goes on and he asks this question. And this is the question that I think that we should really think about in our own minds as we listen to God's word. Galatians 4.15, he says, What then has become of this blessing you felt. See, Paul in these verses is reminding the church 
that we have been given a gift, a gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, that we are heirs in Christ Jesus to all the things that God has created and given to us. But what's happened here is that the church has lost its joy. The church has lost sight of the things that God has given them. They have lost sight of who Jesus Christ is in their life. See, they had lost sight of where their joy truly comes from. See, this question needs to be asked in the church today. You know, it's been said, and I quote, it's a a gentleman that said this, a gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms, and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. See, if we're going to express God's joy, if we're going to express joy in our life, as we walk by the Spirit, we've got to remind each other and be reminded of where that joy comes from. See, our joy comes through Jesus Christ. It comes because we have been adopted into this family. We've been introduced and inducted into this love relationship that is so beautiful, so wonderful, that it should just naturally bring joy into our lives. And we should express that as we live these lives. I love this. I found this passage in Habakkuk. You can say that word ten times, that name ten times. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. I want you to listen to this. He says, through the, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Because I have nothing... He says, yet, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength and he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. See, if we allow the Spirit of God to change where we get our joy from and who we get our joy from, He'll help us to see in those tough moments when we feel like there's nothing around us, that we're not producing or doing or living a life of abundance. He'll remind us of His abundance. See, and we'll sing this song. We'll rejoice in the Lord and we'll take gladness. We'll take joy. We'll celebrate for the God of our salvation. See, our joy comes from our God. It comes from our salvation. See, we understand now that the source is Jesus Christ. The source of our joy is Jesus. But what are we to do now? What are some steps should we t- that we should take? Well, I want to give us three things that, that really rob us of joy sometimes in our lives. And there are many others. And you can add to this list if you want. But I want to start out with a few things. And then I want to give us a few things that we can do, steps that we can take to not only experience this joy that God has for us, but to also express it in our lives. 
Well, the first thing that can rob us of this joy is, is unsatisfied expectations. You know, we come with expectations. Wherever we go, we go with expectations. And uh, we always have some sort of expectation of someone or something. You know, maybe right now in your life, your life isn't where you want it to be. And you have this expectation maybe of where your marriage should be or what it should be. You have this expectation of, of who your kids should be. Kids, you, you may have this expectation of what, what mom and dad should be to you right now. And these expectations that, that we have usually don't satisfy us. Because even when, when these expectations are met in our life, they're only fleeting, they're only temporal, they're only for a moment. You know, our husband or our wife could, could do something great for us in that moment, like Valentine's Day, and do it all right, buy us a card and some flowers and some good stuff. Quick question, though. How come you ladies don't buy us flowers? I always wondered that, you know. These expectations in our life usually disappoint us. You know, it's that fairy tale wedding. It's that Cinderella story that we're all hoping for. Maybe it's a bigger house, a nicer car, a better job, more money, more friends. See, I'm convinced that that a spirit of discontentment can rob us of joy. And I I believe because we're so focused on the things that we don't have that we lose sight of the thing that we do have. And that's Jesus Christ. See, we should find joy in our salvation. We should find joy in knowing that we have a Redeemer that loves us so deeply that no matter what we have, we have Him. See, Paul helps us to discover the secret of a content life. In Philippians 4, verse 12, he says this. He says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. See, Paul has found his joy in his salvation. And no matter what he has or what he doesn't have, he looks to Jesus and he finds contentment. He finds joy. I want to ask you this morning, is contentment, is that an area in your life that God wants to help you grow in? Is that a, a fruit that God wants you to experience when it comes to joy? That he wants to help you express being content? See, contentment doesn't come when we have everything we want, but when we want everything that we have. Well, the second thing that gets in the way that robs us of our joy is is unresolved conflict. Our joy evaporates when we allow conflict between ourselves and another person to go on. You know, usually our anger clouds our judgment. It clouds what we see and how we see each other. How many of you get angry during the week? Right. How many of you guys lie often? <laughs> you know, I'm just like you guys. I, I get angry every now and then. And it really does cloud our judgment. It really does mess with us when we get emotional and we allow our emotions just to escape and, and run wild and we experience conflict relationally. But then we don't do anything to help it. We don't take the steps to heal. We just let it internalize 
And then what does it do to us? It kills us. It destroys us inside. That's usually where we get our long, mopey faces from. Because we usually have some unresolved conflict and we hold on to it inside and we keep it. And we remember when I was seven years old and and Johnny took my candy from me and now I see Johnny and now that I'm 35 years old and Johnny, man, I just can't forget that. And I'm just holding on to it because I wanted that piece of candy. We hold on to these silly things. See, God has something different for us. I love what it says in Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 12 challenges us to to not allow relational issues to fester or allow bitterness to set into our hearts. It says in verse 14, it says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness. Right there. Did you guys catch that part? And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. What do you think he means when he says that no one would fail to attain the grace of God? I want you, I want you to think about that one for a while. I want you to, to look at some notes later on as we leave here at this passage. I'm not going to give you the answer to that, but I want you to think about it. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See, Paul speaks to this in chapter 5 when he talks about devouring one another. What that looks like in conflict, in unresolved conflict. Well, the third thing that uh, I think that robs us of our joy and is responsible for really the loss of joy in this world, it's unconfessed sin. See, guilt... Sin, it kills our joy. See, because we understand what the things of the flesh are and then, and then we do those things. We live our lives and, and we end up doing those things. We walk in the flesh. We're overcome by our passions and then, and then we pull back and we disconnect and we just kind of mourn in our sin. And we lose sight of of this love and this grace that God has for you and I. We lose sight that, that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to cover our sins, to wash our sins. And we lose this joy that we have that only comes through Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Psalm 132. I challenge you to remember this. Every time that that you slip up or you make a mistake or you fail in any way, I want you to memorize this and stand on this promise right here in Psalm 132. It's beautiful. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. See, I've got some some wonderful news for you this morning. I've got some great news for you this morning. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that you can have forgiveness of sins. 
just in a couple of months, we're going to celebrate. Keyword, we're going to rejoice. We're going to be joyful. We're going to celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. Because blessed are we because we have been forgiven of our sins. Our sins have been covered by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I, for everyone. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That should bring joy. See, God wants to restore our lost joy. He wants to cultivate the things that will build lasting joy in our lives. And He's given us the power through His Holy Spirit. Every believer has the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. If we just walk by the Spirit and experience the things that God has given us. Well, I want to give us a few steps, how we can be in step with the Spirit. The first thing that, that we can do to be in step with the Spirit is to find contentment in Christ. Look to Christ for our satisfaction. Listen to what, what the prophet or what, what it says in, in Zephaniah three seventeen. It says, "The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save." Listen to this part. It says, "He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing." Isn't that beautiful? What that passage tells us, just like God's word tells us, not only did God love us before we loved him, but God rejoices over us before we even begin to rejoice over him. He exalts over us with loud singing. He sings praises for the creation, for what he made. He looks at you and I and he smiles and he finds pleasure in you and I. He delights. See, when we find our contentment in Christ, we find joy. And as we spend time in His presence, we discover all of His presence that He has for us, all the promises that He has for us, all the joy that He has for us. See, the gift of salvation, that's what Paul is pointing to in this chapter. He's reminding us that we are heirs to these promises. That he has given us the joy of our salvation. Isaiah 65, 18 says, But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. See, God rejoices over you. He loves you and he's excited about you. See, if you don't have any joy in your life, I want to challenge you in saying this. If you don't have any joy in your life right now, maybe it's just because you don't know God well enough. And I'm not saying that to to put you down or to make you feel bad in any way, but but I am saying that to, to challenge you to say, open up God's word and discover the joy that he has for you. Get on your knees and bow in His presence and cry out for the things that God has for you in your life. And you'll discover and you'll see how God will bring you and fill you with this joy. 
He'll remind you of the love and the grace that He has for you right where you stand, right where you sit. You'll hear Him sing over you and exalt over you and rejoicing over you. Get to know God. Open up His Word and recognize that this God that we serve, this God that we talk about, is a joyful God. He's not this harsh God that just is waiting to punish us or or to smack us down. He's a God that is offering us salvation. He's a God that's saying, hey, you know what, Floyd, right where you sit in the midst of your sin, guess what? I love you. You know, as a parent, you think about the things and the mistakes that our kids make. Right? They make mistakes. As a, as a, as a child, you know, I, I think about all the mistakes I made. You know, Mom, I'm sorry for all the things I did to you growing up. You know, I, I think about all of that stuff. And then you look at your own heart and you wrestle through your own sin and your own struggles and you think about those things and how God views you and how God looks at you. And the Bible tells us that He rejoices over us. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? I, mean, right, I, I read that passage and it should bring a smile to every one of our faces thinking that God rejoices over us. He, he loves us. He, he's given us everything. You know, today, Valentine's Day, should be the day that we rejoice in God's love. It should be a day that we celebrate God's love and be reminded as we go into this next season, this Easter season, this this moment in time when we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, God's Son, the precious gift, that we should be joyful. Well, the second thing that I think if we stay in step with the Spirit that will help us to express this joy is just to be remembered, just to remember who we belong to. I know it sounds simple, but you know what would be cool? If we went around during the week and as we saw brothers and sisters in Christ and we saw people and just pointed at them and said, hey, Rance, you belong to Jesus. Do you remember that? Jeff, you belong to Jesus. Floyd, you belong to Jesus. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Wouldn't that be a great reminder? I know that, I don't know about you guys, but I know that I need to be reminded of that daily. Galatians 3.29, Paul does that. He reminds them, and he says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, recipients, according to, to promise. See, the comfort and joy that God gives us comes through the understanding that we have been adopted into this family. And I think as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to remind each other daily of this adoption. Rejoice in this and celebrate and say, hey, you know what? You belong to Jesus. You are His. What a wonderful thing if we were to do that for one another. Wouldn't it be? I talk to my kids all the time and I always tell them, you know, my responsibility is to point you to Jesus. You know, there's a there's an age where, you know, we we're the we're the nose wipers, right? We clean the nose and we do all that stuff. And uh, and then there's an age where we kind of kind of 
push them out a little bit and let them kind of become themselves who God wants them to be. And we, we help them and we correct them, you know, age of correction. And then there, there comes an age where as they mature, as they grow, there comes an age where as a parent, my responsibility is to disciple them. It's to point them to Jesus. That's what being a disciple is, is someone that follows Jesus. And as Paul says, come follow me as I follow Jesus. We bring people along with us. We help them to see Jesus and we point them to Jesus. We don't point them to our own message of the gospel. We point them to the gospel. And that's what we do for each other on a daily basis. We point each other to the gospel. We remind each other that our salvation comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. And if we desire to bear this fruit of joy, then we must desire to surrender our lives daily. Think about when I say the word surrender. What comes through your mind? Surrender. See, Jesus tells us that, that we have to die to ourselves. We have to give up the things of this world, the things of the flesh, the things that hold us in bondage, and we have to die to ourselves. And we have to pick up our cross. And we have to bear it daily. Galatians 3.16 says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. See, again, our salvation, it comes through Jesus Christ. And Paul is reminding us this. To discover joy, we must abandon the flesh and we must walk by the Spirit, seeking the one who himself, seeking the one who himself is the giver of life. If we want life and life more abundant, it only comes through Jesus Christ. I get what I say in here. Have I said Jesus enough this morning as a reminder? Well, this brings us to the last one. I want to close with this, but as we close, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this question really hard because it means everything. It really does. It means everything. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? See, before we can express any kind of fruit, before we can even walk in the Spirit, we have to follow Jesus. We have to know Him as our personal Lord and Savior. And that takes humility, that takes repentance, and that takes faith, a trust in knowing that there is a hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. I love what John says, well, what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. Jesus says this, John 15, verses 4 and 5. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do nothing. See, if we want the kind of joy that is complete and lacks nothing, then we must follow Jesus. We must die to ourselves. We must surrender and give our lives to our Lord and our Savior. When we walk by the Spirit, we can overcome any desires that the flesh may have in front of us, any sinful things that we we struggle with. God will give us the power to overcome. But it begins with us following Jesus. It begins with us being connected and abiding in Christ, being connected to the branch. Because without Jesus, we can bear no fruit. Without Jesus, there is only death. See, when Jesus says, abide in me, he's saying, follow me. He's saying, trust me and surrender to me. And this is what it means to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this this morning. Jesus is calling. Right now, God is in our midst. Jesus is calling you. And he's asking you, will you surrender to me? Will you give your life to me this morning? He wants you to come. But the question is, are we listening to him? Will we respond? Well, in the next few moments, I want us to just take some time to respond to God's love. Wherever you sit today, wherever you're at today, as I close, I have a a few more passages I want to read to us this morning. and, and, And just in this very moment, I want you to think about where you're at in your life. Whatever it is, if there's something that is holding you today, if there's a sin that's keeping you down and robbing you and stealing this joy, I want to challenge you to, to make today the day of your salvation. Let Valentine's Day, February 14, 2016, be the day that you take the step towards this love relationship where you accept that love that God has for you and you give your love to Him. Because the great thing that you can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, mind, and soul. Everything that you have. Leave nothing behind. Give it all to Him. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. I'm going to read this passage out of Romans. And I want you to just... Listen to the words. And I want to ask you to respond to the good news. The good news that Jesus Christ did something for you. He expressed His love on a cross. He did it so that we could have joy in this life. So we could be reminded of who He is. And what He's done. So that we could have salvation. The book of Romans, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit Himself bears witness and with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, providing we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. And in Romans 10, verse 9, and it says, Because... Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. Father, this morning we come into your presence and we praise you. We give you glory for all things, Lord. God, your love is so deep, it's so wide, and it's so full that it's often often hard for us to understand. It's often hard for us to accept. But Lord, we, we come into your presence. We come to receive this love. We come to accept this love. Lord, this morning, if there's anything that, that's hindering us, anything that separates us from you, Father, Please, Father, forgive us of that sin. Forgive us of of those things that we place in front or before you. Father, wash us. This morning we, we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is your Son and that he paid a price that we could never pay for ourselves. That by the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed on the cross, that we can be washed and cleansed from unrighteousness. And Lord, we stand on your promise this morning. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we want to be in Christ Jesus. We want to live in surrender and servanthood for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Or we don't know, always know how to do that. We don't always take the right steps. But Father, I know that you've given us each other so that we can remind each other, so that we can point each other to Jesus. So that we can tell each other, hey brother, you belong to Jesus Christ. So Father, as we sing this last song, as we're reminded of who Jesus is, Father, whatever you're doing right now, and, and in, in all the hearts of your people this morning, I pray that we would respond to you with praise and with joy and we would lift our hands and we would celebrate you. We would give you glory and that we would honor you not only with our actions, Father, but with our hearts. So at this morning, we bow before you, Father, and we worship you and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ 
committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.